Abbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. All right, Jeff, time for your trivia question. Okay, on the last day of the 2015-16 season, Ronnie Delia, the manager of Celtic, gave a debut to Jack Aitchison. And something happened after that that was unique. And it is not that Aitchison became Celtic's youngest debutant at 16 years and 71 days. So what else happened that was so special? It's actually unique. We'll find out a little bit later. Right, Jeff, into the football. Uh, the first game of the weekend uh, was Leeds United uh, winning away from home 2-1 against Fulham. Sad day for Fulham, really. Yes, it was, but the result was was the right one. Leeds, Leeds were the better team. They played better and they didn't really allow Fulham into it. And when Fulham got chances, they didn't take them. So if you don't take your chances, you don't win the match. Yeah, I was uh, disappointed with that. I want to see Fulham stay up, but they were offered a chance a bit later. We'll talk about that with Newcastle losing as well. Uh, then, during the weekend we have the FA Cup as well as the Premier League. Let's look at Bournemouth losing 3-0 to Southampton. Kind of regulation win wasn't it? Southampton played well and deserved their win and Bournemouth didn't play well at all. So not an awful lot to say about that. Um, Good for Southampton. They're now in the semi-final good for them. Um, They'll pick their season up. They've got enough points to stay in the Premier League so you know hope he picks a a strong team and and makes a fight of it in the semi-final. Yeah I kind of I don't know I had a feeling that Bournemouth might do something in that game with them you know, fighting for promotion maybe they were holding out for that a little bit maybe Southampton could go for it because uh, as you say they're safe in the league then the other game in the FA Cup was Everton nil Man City 2 are you going to say that's a regulation one as well? was wasn't it it was a, just a difference in class that told there it was you know City by far the better team and they showed it and won did enough to win if Everton had come back and got a goal City would just have gone up the other end and got another one it was a regulation win for City and probably through to the final of that as well because they are going to play next month against Tottenham in the Carabao Cup. We're going to come to Tottenham, but it's not looking good for Tottenham in that game, is it? No, you you would have to say on form, uh, Tottenham don't have much of a chance. But, you know, Mourinho has has made his career out of these one-off matches and winning when he shouldn't win. So, yeah, maybe. But I think the fact that it's a a one-off game, not a two-header, counts against him because he needs those two headers usually. But no, you'd have to think City are going to win. All right. Uh, So quite an easy win for City in the end. Uh, Then on Saturday, a game that I thoroughly enjoyed watching in the Premier League was Brighton 3, Newcastle 0. To use the old proverbial, Newcastle were lucky to get 0 because I think Brighton were magnificent. They were. They they played extremely well. They were were good from front to back. Every player played well. They could have got more goals. But you do have to say Newcastle were terrible. I mean absolutely terrible and the the terribleness the terribleness started with the team they selected a game he has to win and he leaves two strikers his only two fit strikers he leaves them on the bench Carroll and Gale sat on the bench and when he made three substitutions late in the game to chase the game he didn't bring them on so who was going to score the goals exactly a lot of criticism coming in for Steve Bruce from fans Rob Lee the ex-player was saying last week that you can't completely 
blame Steve Bruce because even Guardiola would struggle to do anything with that team. And he said that since the club is up for sale for £330 million, who would possibly want to buy that? So he said it's the worst training ground in the Premier League and possibly one of the worst squads. And all of that is true. But if you have a 5 foot 4 inch winger, left winger, Ryan Fraser, and you have a 6 foot tall centre forward, Dwight Gale, why would you play Dwight Gale on the left wing and Fraser as a centre forward? Which happened in the previous match. Both of them looked completely lost, didn't know what the hell to do. They're having to fight to the sort of conditioning of the previous 20 years. All the runs are different. Your first touch is different. Why would you do that why would you play Ryan Fraser who's five foot four inches tall up against two six foot plus centre backs and have Dwight Gale playing as a left winger Rob Lee's point has some merit to it but Bruce it's Bruce who did this and then Bruce who left both his strikers both his fit strikers on the bench for the following game so you know you can't absolve him of blame for this I mean obviously Steve Bruce must be very much more intelligent than me and he can see how a 5 foot 4 inch centre forward who was previously a winger would, would succeed but I don't think anyone else can see it look look at the numbers they've won 2 in 20 in that game against Brighton they had 3 shots in the whole of the game they had 3 shots there was no energy they were lethargic like they, they looked as if they were on holiday they looked like a team who were mid-table didn't matter anymore that you know they're, they're deciding what color their bent next bentley is going to be and you know all the rest of it which they probably were but no they're a shockingly bad team yeah i mean normally they say at this stage of, well not even at this stage of the season back end of april all the players are on holiday already of course you can't go on holiday now <laughs> but they're probably thinking as you say what color bentley to get however i think brighton looked excellent we've said on this podcast before that brighton's problem is for all their beautiful football they can't score goals Newcastle did allow them to score three but they were three good goals and Welbeck had a good game didn't he and Lalana I think those two as we've said before fitted very well into the team but we have to give credit to Graham Potter the way he has them ticking is amazing yeah they, they scored three goals but they scored they scored the same goal twice the first two goals were exactly the same cut in from the left onto the right foot hit it into the far post so having been burnt once the Newcastle defence didn't learn the second time yeah well done Brighton though uh, good to see them getting uh, some valuable points at this stage of the season uh, I think they're safe aren't they definitely then on Sunday I think another routine one although I believe Sheffield United did make it difficult it was Chelsea 2 Sheffield United nil. also in the FA Cup a 6 round yeah I, th- I think Chelsea laboured to win it to be quite honest they, they should have won it by, by more I think it was an own goal and a late goal from Ziyech making making respectable scoreline but it, it never felt like that in the match I think Sheffield United were in it and if they if they had honestly better quality players then you know it would have been different but Chelsea did enough to win which is what they have to do and they did it so okay and then Chelsea were drawn against Man City in the semi-final and Leicester Southampton you'd fancy a final of well Leicester and Man City I think that would be an excellent final wouldn't it be very good to watch Let, let's wait and see semi-finals are very strange sometimes and you know odd things can happen maybe this year which has been a very odd year indeed something something else odd will happen alright well talking of odd earlier in the season Tottenham uh, at home to West Ham 3-0 up it ended 3-3 on Sunday West Ham were playing Arsenal 3-0 up and it ended 3-3 now you know what it feels like uh, well, indeed yeah um, uh, but this this is the this is the call against Moyes you're 3-0 up don't send the team out to defend that three goal lead you're just inviting Arsenal on West Ham destroyed Arsenal in the first half why didn't they come out and do exactly the same again all they needed was one goal to, to shut the game out completely and 
and instead they invited them to attack and so Arsenal attacked and they came back into it courtesy of two own goals we are where we are and, and Moyes is what Moyes is he sent West Ham out to defend against Manchester United last week and invited the defeat instead of attacking them there's nothing about Manchester United to be scared of anymore there's nothing about Arsenal to be scared of why defend against them you've gone three and up so you know you can beat them so score more yeah I mean having watched Tottenham against Arsenal at the Emirates the week before I mean it was a narrow 2-1 loss but it wasn't narrow in terms of which team was trying but it was quite apparent that there's nothing as you say to be frightened of in Arsenal Tottenham should have what should have beaten them most people should they are ninth place you're riding high you go into a 3-0 lead can you not see though that maybe David Moyes had a point to defend that lead no you keep doing what what got you there in the first place why invite a team on to attack you and that's what he did it didn't work against Manchester United and it didn't work this time he's done a really good job getting West Ham to where they are fifth place they deserve you know they're on merit they deserve to be there but you're not going to progress you're not going to do anything if you constantly invite the opposition to attack you yeah it was a, a very very, very bizarre game 3-0 up and then finishing 3-3 two own goals and as you say they, you did kind of invite them to, to do that for me as a Tottenham fan though I think probably the draw was the best result oh for the for the teams around West Ham yes it was definitely the best result none of them would have wanted the, you know, either team to get the extra two points in it but I, I think it, 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 it flattered the Wanderers to be quite honest and, and flattered the, the groundsmen that they will come out of that feeling positive and West Ham will come out of it feeling negative West Ham threw two points away there yeah, definitely. I mean, I was keeping my eye on the score on that one, and I, I, in a way, kind of because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a Tottenham fan. I was quite pleased to see you storm into a three 0 lead very early on, and I thought, well, that's it, wrapped up. Um, but in a way, as a Tottenham fan, I was quite pleased that it ended as a draw as well. Although it, I think it probably gave Arsenal a bit of confidence to come back like that. However, before we get on to Tottenham's game uh, away at Aston Villa, shall we go back in time to the Europa League and Tottenham away at Dinamo Zagreb, whose uh, manager, as we said on the show last week, was arrested for defrauding his own club, going to spend four and a half years in prison. Tottenham were 2 0 up. Uh, they just needed one away goal, really. They could have lost 3 1. They lost 3 0. Possibly one of the worst, most abject, pathetic, lethargic, lazy performances I've seen from that Tottenham team. The starting 11 were all playing under Pochettino during his reign and they played like they did in the last few months of his reign as well. This is Dinamo Zagreb. They, they played much worse than they ever played under under Pochettino. It was a totally shocking performance. It was. It looked like you had eleven players there who just didn't care. It was there was no energy. There was no no, no perceived perceivable structure. It, it was shockingly bad, and they made Dinamo Zagreb look quite good. The lad who got the hat trick, he's obviously going to get a big move to the Bundesliga at the end of the season. <laughs> Thanks to that, so 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 I'm sure his check is in the post to uh, to Tottenham for that. Thanks very much. You made me look great. It's very hard to describe how bad Tottenham were, and something has very clearly gone very badly wrong. Yeah, and Hugo Lloris, the captain, came out possibly a little bit early, uh, still smarting from that dreadful loss, and faced the press and started basically throwing blame all around the dressing room, saying different things, but basically saying that some players are not stepping up and other players are jealous when they're not picked and there seems to be a split in the dressing room first of all should he have said it and secondly what do you think he really meant should he have said it yes in the dressing room not to to the public to the watching world um he said he they they could not rely on the support players who came into the team well that's not what i saw they were bad from front to back every you know every play except mora has to be said who always plays well for spurs but him him aside they were 
absolutely shocking. It looked as if they were sent out to defend a lead, just get the job done. Now, Mourinho claimed afterwards, no, no, I sent them out to get the one goal which would make it guarantee the win. If Spurs had scored one goal, Dinamo Zagreb had to score four, which wasn't, you would think, was not going to happen, although maybe it would have done. Who knows? It's going wrong at Tottenham in training. Mourinho doesn't get off the hook if he's intimating that the players aren't taking his instructions and playing for him. That's his job. You can't turn around and say, oh, it's not my fault because I'm not doing my job. You know, that's... It doesn't make any sense. What, whatever the reason is, it's down to the manager and he's got to solve it. Yes, I, ta- I take that point. The manager is to blame if there's disharmony in the dressing room or they're not listening to his instructions, which a few of the players have said over the weeks that Mourinho told us to attack and we didn't. Well, why not? Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is this point about some of the press have been saying he's lost the dressing room and they're not playing for him. And I want to say boo-hoo. If you're a footballer and you don't like the way you, you don't like your boss or you don't like his instructions, well, I'm sorry, you're earning 100 grand a week. He may get sacked, wait for that to happen, but that doesn't mean that you down tools on the pitch. You still get on with it. And watching that Dinamo Zagreb performance, there are excuses that can be made. Maybe it's tiredness because we've played more games than anybody else. Maybe it's one thing or another. But they didn't put in any effort. I mean, Mora would run until he's you know, completely out of energy. But the others didn't even, from the first whistle, didn't have any energy. No, it, it, it was exactly that. They were, they were lethargic. They did not seem to care. Now, it is possible that because of Mourinho's management style, which he openly admits is very confrontational, it's very, I'll challenge the players to, to show me that they're good enough. And some, you know, maybe mentally are, are not up to that. Now, the, the consequence of that style of management is you actually encourage players not to make mistakes. So if you can imagine a situation where you've got your wide player one-on-one against the defender, does he take the chance of going past him and maybe lose the ball? Or does he check back inside and keep the ball? It's the risk-free option. And that looked to me to be what Tottenham were doing, always taking the risk-free option. And both teams go out on the pitch and they both take risk-free options. You've got a nil-nil draw. You only get a goal when I Either somebody makes a mistake or somebody does something that's very good, i.e. takes a risk. But Tottenham players, well, it was it was shocking. If you don't want to play for the badge, if you don't want to play for the manager, play for the money you're being paid to play. And I don't think, manager or not, I don't think any of those players have any excuses. Lloris was right. But as you say, sort of been screaming and shouting in the dressing room. At the, as the captain, that's his job. And not forgetting, he was the one that let the three goals in. <laughs> but he should be screaming and shouting at the players in the the dressing room and on the training pitch. Then we came to Sunday where Tottenham were away at Aston Villa. Mourinho made wholesale changes. A lot of people go, oh, look at that team sheet. What's he done there? But actually, there were two players out sick. Aurea and Alderweireld were out sick. Lamella was banned because of his red card the previous, uh, second red the previous week. And he had a couple of other injuries as well. So the changes he made weren't that shocking. But it did work. Yeah, it worked. And it gave the lie to what Lloris had said a few days before, where he said we could not rely on the support players who come into the team. Well, the support players who came in against Villa did much better than the A-list players against Zagreb. Yeah, well, let's have a a quick chat about a couple of them. He brought on uh, Rodon, who is not really played at all this season and Tanganga uh, both very very young players both very young both very inexperienced uh, he did bring them on I think both of them had a point to prove and more or less proved it at least they tried 
and they put in a put in a shift. Even Sanchez looked quite good. Well, your, your first points about Rodon and Tanganga. Yes, every time they've played, they've they've put in the effort. They really they really they've tried. They really want to do it. Both make mistakes. Well, they will because they're young players. That's kind of you expect that. But at least they put the effort in. Sanchez has always put put effort in. Just there's there's always a huge ricket about to happen with him, and and the, and there was the other day. He it was a better performance from him, but there's two bad mistakes in there that could have cost Tottenham. But that's Sanchez. That's what you're going to get from him. It was a much better performance by Tottenham. Has to be said that you know they of the two teams on the pitch they deserve to win. I was expecting towards the end of the game, I was expecting it to end up three nil. I think two nil is probably about right. There's been a bit of controversy about the penalty from Harry Kane was it a penalty wasn't it for me definitely it was he got absolutely hacked down was the ball wasn't out of play but was out of reach but I don't think that actually matters according to the law no the ball could be out of play and it's still a foul the way that the law is written and interpreted now that is a penalty 20 years ago it wouldn't have been a penalty because Kane bought it basically he turned away from in the opposite direction to the one the ball was going in going in because he knew the cash was coming in from that side so he knew he'd be clattered Back in the day, that would not be given as a penalty because he was the one who made initiated the contact. The way it's refereed now, it was a penalty. It's very cynical by Kane, and and they really need to look at that because it's the referee was conned basically. As, as you say, it, it's to the letter of the law. Uh, it was definitely a penalty. It was certainly a foul on Kane. It looked, I mean, it, there was no doubt that it was a penalty under the letter of the law today. A routine victory for Tottenham. I think a few players made themselves, if you like, available to Mourinho because of the way they played certainly a few players put in a shift Mora as you said before always puts in a shift sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and Dombele a lot of little tricks he, he took some chances took some risks um, you know flicks and tricks and whatever and going past players but Lucas Mora he was all over the pitch he was he was excellent yeah it was, it was yet another very good performance by him he's, he's a great player and I, I don't understand why Mourinho has, has been shy of putting him in the team as a starter every time he's a great player he, he likes to create things he makes things happen around the edge of the penalty area where it's important and he draws fouls he makes defenders not know what you know whether they should stick or twist he's a good player good player and Vinicius who got the tap in uh, scored his first Premier League goal he scored nine goals in total for Tottenham in 21 appearances for about I think it's seven, 900 and something minutes so it works out 44 minutes per game out of 21 games he's played yeah and and he will have known when he when he joined Tottenham that if you're the backup to Harry Kane Kane plays every match he wants to which is pretty much every match you know if he can physically get on the pitch he'll play which sometimes isn't very sensible of him but Tottenham need him like that way so yeah Vinicius is is has done quite well. He'll probably start more games next season because it won't. Kane won't be there. Well, <laughs> Kane may or may not be there. But then Vinicius may or may not be there. He is on loan with an option to buy. Benfica want forty million for him. He's not worth that. I believe Tottenham are going to bid seventeen million. I think he's probably worth around that. I think that would be for once uh, a, a fair estimate from Levy. Yeah, if, you, if you'd put me on the spot, I'd say he's a twenty million player. But should Tottenham keep him? Uh, and should they keep their other loanee, uh, Regulon and Bale? Well, Regulon, I don't think they're going to have much much say in it if he, sh- he should go back where, where he came from, to be quite honest. He's, he's that good. Spurs will be very, very lucky to keep him. Bale, I would imagine Real Madrid will want him to stay at Tottenham, you know, because it's, it's just a huge, a huge saving on their salary bill while it's happening. Is he worth it for Tottenham? 
Mm, well, who knows? Who knows? It's interesting what you said about Vinicius and 20 million. I think if the decision becomes, is that the best way to spend 20 million, then Vinicius may not end up at Tottenham. Yeah, that's a good point because actually if you have got if you are going to spend 20 million, probably you'd be looking elsewhere and in different positions on the field as well. Regarding Regulon, one of the reasons you send a player out on loan is to help him improve and Regulon has definitely been very, very good for Tottenham and I think Real Madrid will have gone, yeah, we'll have him back. In the other FA Cup uh, quarter-final, Leicester City hosted Man United and then, well, tore them apart. Yeah, it was, it was a, a, an excellent performance from, from Leicester, especially when you consider they had James Justin out, Ricardo Pereira out, James Madison and Harvey Barnes. The four starters out of their 11 were out injured and they still tore Man United apart, which just shows what nonsense David Moyes was doing, sending West Ham out there to defend against them. There's nothing to be frightened about, about this Man United team. Yeah, Leicester looked very good. Man United, well, Man United, when they're on the ball, they look all right, but they do, do seem to be lacking some ideas when it comes to actually scoring the goals. Yeah, they scored from their only coherent forward forward thrust, forward movement. They were second best everywhere on the pitch. We fancy Leicester then to uh, get to the final and uh, have a chance against Man City, possibly more of a chance than Tottenham will in the other final. The other thing which which ties into something else we'll we'll talk about, I guess, was again Maguire's mistakes continue, along with Fred responsible for two of the goals. The story of Maguire for the last two seasons: how is it possible that someone that bad gets in the England squad? It gets in the squad ahead of Cody, Stones, Mings, Konza, Tarkowski, and me, who are all obviously and clearly much much better. And look at how good Leicester's defence is without him. They get rid of him, bring in Soyonchu, who's the best centre-back in the league after Van Dijk, and Leicester's defence looks excellent. How can Maguire still get in the England team? Yeah, biggest belief, and we're going to talk about the England team. Before we get on to that, just going back to the Tottenham game, because that was a cup game, the Leicester-Man United game. Tottenham against Villa was in the league, meaning we are now one point behind West Ham, and just three points behind Chelsea in fourth, having won five out of our last six. Premier League games so it crisis what crisis yes there is a, a problem but does that mean could Tottenham actually now push just straight forth and could West Ham fall off a bit um, West Ham will fall off a bit because I think that giving away that, that match after a 3-0 lead they're, they're going to be very negative going in the next match Spurs can they get forth the problem is that they, they've had five good results out of six and nobody's putting any sort of run together in the league except Manchester City so having won five out of six they'll probably have to yeah, they'll be back down again, and nobody is, is is being consistent enough to make a challenge. Yeah, and having as we've said, seen Tottenham recently against Arsenal and Dinamo Zagreb, two mid-table teams, if you like, um, and then beating well a, a dilapidated Villa side in many ways um, without Grealish. It's very difficult to say, but just the three points away from Chelsea in fourth, not too bad. We'll probably miss out on fourth by about two points, I think, by the end of the season. One thing that's interesting about that uh, that win against Villa. Before that match, Spurs had picked up 21 points in their last 17 games. They're knocked out of the FA Cup and out of Europe. And of those 17 games, seven games were against the current top 10 and they got zero points. That win against Villa was the first time they got any points against the team in the top 10 because Villa were 10th at the time. You've got to play 19 other teams um, no matter where they are in the table. You can only play the team in front of you, but that doesn't make uh, comfortable reading, I have to say. Right, let's have a look at the England uh, setup. There are some important World Cup games coming up uh, all over Europe, so we'll have a look at those. But let's just have a little look at the England squad. Um, Nick Pope, Dean Henderson, but Sam Johnson also picked, and he's the West Brom keeper. I mean, 
I suppose you could say he's had plenty of practice. Yeah, and and if if he's if he's done well, we'll stick him in the squad, get him used to it, and and hopefully hopefully he'll progress. He won't get a game. Pope is the best English goalkeeper in in the Premier League, and Henderson is the second best. So you can't argue with that. I think the truth is though that if the if Pickford had been available, he'd have been put in, and that would be wrong because he's just not good enough. But Pope and Henderson are the best two, and they're in there, so good. In defence, and this is where it gets a bit weird. First of all, Harry Maguire is one of them. And then Eric Dyer, who has been just that for Tottenham. It's the most extraordinary selection, isn't it? That, you know, Dyer. I mean, I, I don't. You know, I know some Tottenham fans, and I don't know a single Tottenham fan who thinks he should be in anywhere near an England side. They don't think he should be near a Tottenham side. It's an extraordinary decision. And Maguire, how, I mean, how bad do you have to be to get dropped if you play for Manchester United? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Tottenham fan, and I don't understand why Dyer is in the England squad. I don't think he should be on current form in the Tottenham game, uh, Tottenham starting eleven, let alone even on the bench, maybe. And as Rodon and Tanganga proved at the weekend, they don't need him. You can do without him, and I think England should as well. A couple of others have been picked um, from Manchester clubs, Man United's Luke Shaw and John Stones' Man City back in the squad. And, and both deserved. They, uh, on, on, form, on, on continued form over the whole season, both of those players deserve to be in the England team. Luke Shaw is, a, is just like a, a, a reborn player. Um, so, yeah, I've got no, no problem with that. Even though he plays for Manchester United, he's either the best or second best left back, English left back in the Premier League, and he should be there. You and I, neither of us, are big fans of um, Gareth Southgate. We're okay with that, that defence, more or less, apart from, of course, Harry Maguire and uh, Derek Dyer. In the midfield, Jude Bellingham, the young fellow at Borussia Dortmund, Phil Foden. But interestingly, Jesse Lingard on loan at West Ham. That's a ridiculous, farcical decision. He has not done nearly enough over any sort of period to justify getting into an England squad. I, I cannot, for the life of me, understand how, how it's possible that Lingard gets in, unless it's the fact that he is actually a, a signed-up Manchester United player. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, his form has been excellent for West Ham, but hardly a run of form. And Southgate was asked about it, and he said, generally, yes, you need to have a prolonged period of form to get into the squad. Um, Jesse's quite fortunate to be in to be in the squad based on this short period, but I I don't have many options. Yeah, well, that's just an outright lie, isn't it? I mean, the one place that England are very very strong is attacking midfield players. Can you can go down most clubs and and pick them out? There are lots and lots of options of players who played a lot a lot better for a lot longer than Lingard. Yes, some of the other midfielders that Southgate has got as options. Calvin Phillips from Leeds United, Mason Mount, Declan Rice and James Ward-Prowse. I mean, you've got a few attacking players there. Well, you've got a couple, yeah. And Mason Mount has had an exceptionally good season. I mean, to be one of the first names on, on the team sheet at Chelsea just shows how well you play. Yeah, and he's going to get picked ahead of Jesse Lingard, isn't he? I mean, the only thing Lingard has to do is to go on and at least score one goal and at least one assist to prove that Southgate Southgate was right, otherwise it seems like he's just taking up a seat on the bus. Yeah, but you have to remember that the, we're, the opposition that we're playing in two of those games are sort of semi-pros. Yeah, we've got San Marino and Albania and then Poland. The forwards, I don't suppose there's any surprise, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Saka, Raheem Sterling, Ollie Watkins of Aston Villa, who actually didn't look that great against Tottenham. Maybe he just didn't get the service. No, he, he's, he suffered with the service, definitely. But the narrative in the press has been that he was chosen ahead of Patrick Bamford. And I think that it's a correct call. I, I think he is a better striker than Bamford. Bamford definitely suits the style that Bielsa wants Leeds to play and he's very, very important to that. 
even if he doesn't score a goal. And Bielsa said that himself. Problem with with Bamford as a striker is that he scores great goals, but he's not a great goal scorer. And Watkins is a much more natural finisher, and and I think will do better than Bamford. Now every team can argue because he, each team's players are important that they don't want their players to get injured on international duty. Mourinho has said you know that he trusts Southgate, that he likes to see his players go away on international duty because it's good for them. They get to represent their country. I don't believe a word of that. He'd rather they were back in the because he's got two weeks now, as everybody else has, with the players not on international duty. I'm sure he will be very, very angry if Harry Kane starts against Albania and San Marino. And as a Tottenham fan, I'd rather see somebody like Ollie Watkins given a chance in those games. Yeah, I mean, there's very little downside for for Southgate in in putting out an experimental side. Why not? Why not give these these other players the chance to get caps, play international matches, and show how good they are? It's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, I mean, people will argue. Well, we've got to win the game. It's important. It's a qualifier. But it, my point, I suppose, is if you've picked those players to be in the squad, then as far as you're concerned, they are or will be good enough to play for England. So by saying, I'm not going to play them because we need to win the game, well, don't pick them at all then. Either they're in the squad, they're, they're eligible in the sense of what they've done to play, or don't pick them at all. Absolutely right. No, I mean, it, it, there's nothing more to say. That is the, the perfect response to it. I don't buy into this argument about, oh, you know, players might get injured. Players don't get injured in most matches there is no there is no great greater risk of being injured going into an international match the the risk to injury comes when you're tentative when you don't go in to a challenge 100% when you're you know a bit airy fairy and you pull out and you no player goes into any match being afraid to be injured if they do they will get injured so it's you know they're they're footballers they're paid to play football they're chosen by their country they should go out and play the decision of the manager is a completely different different thing and our second or third choice 11 should should comfortably dispose of Albania and San Marino and if not then we don't deserve to be in the World Cup no no we don't before we round it all up Arsene Wenger uh, who has now got an important role at FIFA has made a suggestion that the World Cup and the European Championships should be played every two years instead of every four years as they are now and all other competitions the Nations League and friendlies should be scrapped I mean I, I kind of like the idea in the sense that he said players who play in the World Cup are generally 26-27 so they're going to get two World Cups um, and he's 100% right I agree with him completely yeah, there there are a number of players in. If we go back into England's history, where simply because of the four-year cycle, these players have fallen out and not got into World Cups that they should have got into. So, um, yeah, I agree with them 100. percent So you think it should be every two years each of them? That that would basically mean that this year there is Euros, next year the World Cup, the year after. So you have an international competition every single summer. Would that have any bearing on 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 how the leagues operate? Because sometimes they do actually get a summer break. It it might do. But I, I, th- I think it would be. I'd r- much rather see that than this this dreadful concoction that UEFA have, have come up with for the for so-called Champions League. I think it's a much better use of the players, to be honest. And because he is a bit of a footballing brain, Wenger, he's obviously thought this through. It's not some wild, fantastical idea he's had. He also said you have so many different breaks, international breaks, throughout the season, that the international breaks for those two competitions should be concentrated in two months. And I think he said something like November and March. And you have a month in which you do your, your qualifying games and that's it. You don't have a keep having these long international breaks all the time. So he's thought it through. I quite like it. Yeah, I agree with him 100%. I think it's a good idea. Shall, shall we predict the England games? San Marino, uh, England-San Marino, I'm going to say... F- 
3-0. England against Albania, I'm going to say 4-0. And England against Poland, I'm going to say 2-1 to England. OK, the first two matches, I think, will be 2-0 and 3-0. And Poland will be a 1-1 draw. Oh, a draw. All right, let's uh, see what happens. Well, OK, before we move on to your trivia question, another international bit of news. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, at the age of 39, has come out of retirement and been called up for the Sweden squad. And and we're approaching, we are approaching Easter, so God has risen. Yeah. I mean, 14 goals in 14 games. He's on, on the form of his life at the age of 39. I think it's brilliant. Of course it is. And if you're a Swede, you'd, you'd want your best player ever playing for you and actually your best current player playing for you. Right, time for your trivia question and the answer. On the last day of the 2015-16 season, Ronnie Dahlia, Celtics manager, gave a debut to Jack Aitchison. Um, something happened that is unique. It was not that he became Celtic's youngest debutant at 16 years and 71 days, although he did. But what was so special? Aitchison came on late in the game and he scored the final goal with his first touch in senior football. Not bad, that. He scored with his first touch in senior football on his debut as the youngest ever Celtic debutant. That's absolutely brilliant. Imagine, yeah, your first ever professional engagement, as it were, and, yeah, your first time you touch the ball, it's a goal. I mean, how do you follow that? <laughs> my jo- my work here is done. All right, that's all we've got time for. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. <laughs>